listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to our podcast live with the ABA section of Antitrust Law. This is our social media update, and I'm the host for today's episode. My name is Danielle Hogland, and I am a director with Integrion. Joining me today, I have a number of my great friends, Steve Cernak, Alicia Downey, and August Horvath. Can y'all tell us who you are and a little bit more about yourselves? Sure. My name is Steve Cernak. I'm of counsel at the Schiff-Harden Law Firm in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I am the secretary and communications officer of the uh, antitrust section of uh, the ABA. And it might not be obvious, but that means that social media and, and other marketing and communications activities falls under my purview. Alicia? I'm Alicia Downey. I'm with Downey Law LLC in Boston. It's my own firm. I am currently the committee chair of the Compliance and Ethics Committee, but I've held a lot of other jobs in the committee. And um, my Twitter handle is at Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A, Downey, D-O-W-N-E-Y. Thank you. August? Hi, everyone. My name is August Horvath. I'm a partner in the advertising and marketing law practice of the firm Foley Hoag. And here at the section, my gig at the moment is a member of the Long Range Planning Committee. My Twitter handle is at August underscore Horvath, A-U-G-U-S-T underscore H-O-R-V-A-T-H. Happy to be talking to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And I should mention that uh, I am a vice chair on the content committee, and my Twitter handle is at Danny Hogland, D-A-N-I-H-A-U-G-L-A-N-D. So we are here today to discuss social media, which is a very broad and topic and something pretty close to my heart because I've been trying to be more active in social media. As a matter of fact, as of this moment, I have 94 Twitter followers and I really want to get to 100 by the end of the spring meeting. So everybody go out and follow me, please. So this is going to be a roundtable discussion just about what everybody does around social media, what the section's efforts are, and we're going to turn it over to Steve to start us out talking a little bit about the history of social media within the antitrust section and kind of what we're trying to do today. Uh, thanks, Danielle. Yes, the, several years ago, one of the chairs of the antitrust section uh, made a concerted effort to get all of uh, the, at least the leaders of the antitrust section, um, much more involved in social media. And and frankly, it was, it was fairly new at the time. And I think there was a lot of resistance. That's not a professional sort of thing to do. I mean, that's Facebook, right? And I don't want to just have a bunch of cat pictures and videos. Uh, that's something different than what we do in the antitrust section. But I think what we saw was that there are lots of different forms of social media, um, and some of them work better than others for, for these purposes. Uh, and we can talk about that a little bit further. But more importantly, this is where people are these days. And so if we want to, we, the antitrust law section, want to reach our current members or potential members, we have to be active on social media as well. So for me, uh, that meant that I was uh, a chair of a committee at the time, and I volunteered or was volunteered uh, to become that committee's social media director I decided to concentrate on on LinkedIn because I thought that that was, I was told that that was the more professional of the social media outlets at the time. And so I started getting involved and started posting on LinkedIn. I will say that when I told my children uh, that I was the social media director for a group, they immediately rolled their eyes even more than they often do uh, when I say something and said, boy, you must be with a bunch of old people if you're in charge of, of social media for that small group. 
So I have uh, enjoyed my time posting things on LinkedIn. And what we've seen from the section is that we have uh, gotten some great responses, Danielle and, and others, who have really focused on uh, getting the word out uh, about the antitrust section, what it is that we are, what it is that we do, and getting it out in various ways and, 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 and on various platforms. And I think it's where we are meeting, I would say, some of our, our younger members. And by young, I mean somebody younger than me, um, which is now a pretty broad category. And we've gotten um, much better publicity because of that. So I think it's it's wonderful, and we plan to expand our use of podcasts like these and our use of other forms of, of social media as we go forward. Um, so I think that that's probably the history, but maybe we can get some some words from the others in the group here about how they use it. Absolutely. Alicia, you want to tell us about your kind of history with social media and how you're using it today? Oh, sure. Well, before I started my own practice in 2013, I was with a very large international law firm, and there were a lot of um, roadblocks to presenting yourself in social media and using Twitter, for example. People were very paranoid about, you know, what kind of image that might present and, you know, were people being indiscreet in this medium in a way that, that perhaps they wouldn't be if they were just publishing articles, you know, in the, the trade papers or something. But um, I had been writing frequently anyway for newsletters, so it didn't, you know, and I, I know what you are and are not supposed to say uh, publicly about matters that you're working on. So when I started my own practice, I was free to set my own social media policy, and I wanted to get onto Twitter and use it. I was aware that there were more and more lawyers using it as a way of connecting to each other. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that I'm going to be posting constantly with the latest updates, but it's a great information source, um, and it really has led to some good connections. I've been on Twitter for about six years, and... I only have a little over 300 followers, which isn't very much, you know, compared to some people, but I know they're real people. They're not just bots. And some of them I've enjoyed meeting face to face at the conferences like this. So kind of comes full circle. For me, it's a way of connecting to real people in, in real life, not just virtual friendships. I don't use as much LinkedIn. I find that LinkedIn has changed in, in some ways. Uh, it's become a little bit uh, more of a faster running current of information. It's very hard to keep up with the posts. There's just so many more posts than, I mean, I, I have many more connections on LinkedIn than I do on Twitter. So I'm just, that really is um, drinking from a fire hose in terms of both receiving information and feeling as though whatever effort I make in posting something, it's just going to be buried instantaneously. You know, it's hard to get it noticed. Um, other types of social media, I've not used Facebook for professional in support of my practice. I use Facebook for very narrow, limited personal you know, activities that I do um, and family posts, things like that. So I don't see much potential in crossing over there. Instagram, we were talking about the other day. I'm not sure how you could visually represent the experience of working in antitrust you know, in a way that looks like a scrapbook with hashtags. Um, I'm sure somebody will do it. I just don't know that I'm going to be the one. So for now, my big social media focus has been and probably will continue to be Twitter. Thank you. August. Well, I think a lot of the law firms now are getting very savvy about social media and working it much more into their marketing mix than they used to. 
And uh, the section is as well. I think both the section and the law firms that many of us work at have essentially two purposes in social media. One is promotion and the other is education. And it's, I'd say the ABA, the antitrust section has more of an education focus, but just as much of a promotion focus as the law firms do. Of course, it's all blended together really in the content. So a lot of tools have come up. I'm not going to like name particular apps or brands, but just to give you an idea of the things that can be done, there are probably about half a dozen blogs at my firm. They're run by different practice groups. I happen to maintain the one for the advertising and marketing law group. I'm supposed to be the editor, but I end up writing most of the content. That's something you'll find in any organization is that motivating people to contribute to the social media within the organization can be one of your main challenges, not to have just one voice out there, try to get the younger folks involved. You know, millennials, I've heard, are supposed to be good at this stuff. So you're supposed to be able to, you know, give some incentives to your to your associates to, you know, you can feed them topics and help them out to post online. The system that we have at our firm is that there's a, there's an app we use that collects the blog posts from all the firms, because we don't even read each other's blogs in the different practice areas. But Every day we circulate a sort of an email with all the blog posts that have been done in the past couple of days by people at our firm. And with the press of one button, you can share them on all your social media accounts. You've got an account on this software that's tied to your Twitter, to your Instagram, to your LinkedIn, to your Facebook. And you can share your colleagues' posts with as many You can share one of them. You can just share everything that has been written in the firm that day. And it's a great way of multiplying the multiplying the audience that you get from your from your one blog. So that's key. And I think that uh, blogging is still probably the main social media thing that most firms do. A lot of people like the format because we tend to like to write things and get things down precisely the way we want them and have plenty of room to make our points. And Twitter is used mostly in some cases just as a vector to the blog content. So you'll have a you'll have a a tweet about a blog. You might have a tweet about when I go to a conference like the one that we're sitting in today. I may blog beforehand that I'm going, what my panel's about, how great it is. I may then tweet afterwards about it or blog afterwards about it. So just get all the activities you're doing together in one coordinated effort. If I can just jump in there, Danielle, I think one of the things that uh, that August said is important. That is, all of us, our firms in the antitrust section, use uh, the various types of social media to promote uh, and and to educate, but I think we also use it to continue the connections um, and the networking, especially after a big meeting like this. Uh, here we are at the, at the spring meeting, and, and this gives us a way to network and connect with people. And then, um, you know, as we did yesterday, and perhaps you can tell a little bit more about what we did yesterday with our social media meetup. Once we make those virtual connections, then we can make the real connections as well. And that's one of the things that uh, the antitrust section is, is very interested in, trying to get people to feel like this is their home, the home for competition and consumer protection people. And I think it feels more like a home when you can have the both virtual connections as well as the real connections. And I know that's one of the things that you've been focused on with the the social media ambassadors. Absolutely. So my journey into social media, at least on the professional side, really began selfishly. I wanted to promote myself and my company and my, my brand. And so when I uh, joined the content committee, and the content committee, uh, for everybody listening um, who doesn't already know what it does, uh, we are 
tasked with finding new ways of delivering content, uh, including through social media. That's one of the things that I've been focused on. So I did a little experiment when I joined the content committee, which was to promote a one of the section programs on social media, on LinkedIn in particular. So on LinkedIn, I only have only about like 800 friends, followers, whatever you call them on LinkedIn connections. But I noticed when I posted this, I got over 2,000 views. And I thought, well, wait a second. That's actually pretty powerful. And I could use that selfishly to promote myself. But the section can also use it to promote section events and content. And that promotes the content, you know, serves the purpose of the content committee. So I proposed another little experiment with the content committee. Hey, let's get a group of social media ambassadors together. And this started out, and frankly still is, a very informal program. I basically looked around and said, hmm, who's active on social media? Do you want to join our social media ambassador program? And that's actually how I met all of you. We connected first electronically on social media, and then we became friends in real life. And, you know, Steve, to your point just a minute ago, we held a social media ambassador social meetup yesterday and a group of us came and met in real life and now we have those connections and we are friends actually in real life Um, and that is special i think uh, the thing about the antitrust section to me as opposed to some other uh, organizations is it is genuinely a community where we can learn from each other enjoy each other's company and uh, get together for great events like this So August, you had raised earlier um, an issue about kind of juggling your personal and professional personas. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I think an issue that we have to deal with as people on social media is that we're human beings and normal citizens. And, you know, we we use uh, social media for a variety of personal things. And it's a when worlds collide kind of situation in that you'll have your professional account perhaps in your personal account and an experience happened to me earlier today where someone was live tweeting my panel that I was moderating and they did the work of compiling searching twitter and compiling the uh, handles of all the of all the panelists on there which was very nice nice to get that kind of promotion but I have two twitter accounts and one of them is the one that I use to put my professional face forward and the other one is the one where I use to express insolent political opinions and other Another sometimes embarrassing or certainly things that not everybody who's not ideologically aligned with me might like. So naturally, the person doing the live tweet picked that account as the one they would. uh, (laughs) It does have more followers and more activity, so I don't blame them. It probably came up first. But uh, now I have to live with that as uh, as my sort of identification on that panel. And I'm. um, and it's a it's a hazard that you'll face as you go through this. Okay, spring reading brochure suggestion. Put people's correct Twitter handles next to their names and affiliations. That way it's right in the program or in the app. So anybody live tweeting can pick up exactly the right handle as provided by the speaker and uh, and go to town. Great idea. It's a fabulous idea. Sabrata, are you listening to this podcast? Sabrata Bhattacharji, <laughs> the program chair, need to make that change for next year. So, Alicia, any other tips and tricks for social media? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think even though I'm a one-person firm, I do have a social media policy. Um, and I think I'm very sensitive to the the way that the things we, we put on social media, um, they do last forever. 
and they do reflect on you. And a lot of people can draw different ideas from the same tweet or even the same photograph. I don't present anything that I would consider to be controversial or sarcastic or negative in my Twitter feed, and I wouldn't do it on LinkedIn either. I'm not, you know, perky poly either, but I, I do try to be quite um, neutral. There's room for humor, but it can't be the kind of humor that attacks other people or makes fun of other people. So I keep it pretty clean, pretty PG, maybe even G-rated all the way. And there's a good mix I heard, you know, for every 10 tweets you do that sort of purely practice related, you should do at least one that reflects something about you personally. Uh, so it could be a hobby or a nonprofit that you're interested in, just something that gives the people, uh, your followers, some glimpse into you as a person. So you're not just, uh, you know, a one woman law firm marketing department constantly just, you know, look how great I am at my law practice. So. Steve, you had actually, you are doing something that I think is really helpful. And August, you mentioned it too. You know, when you're posting on social media, whether it be LinkedIn or Twitter or anything else, and you've done this for me a bunch of times and thank you for it, you tag people and you include them in the conversation online. And you mentioned that too, August, about how, okay, they may have gotten the Twitter handle wrong, but they took the time, the poster took the time to find everybody's Twitter handle and again, you know, thinking of it from a selfish standpoint, as well as a section promotion standpoint, that helps everybody get their name out and their business out. Can Steve, let's start with you. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it's a little bit of technology knowledge that I picked up, I don't know, not very long ago. And I'm very proud of it, that the fact that I can, I can figure out how to do that. Um, but I think it's part of, you know, spreading the wealth. That is, it doesn't sound genuine to me to constantly be promoting myself or constantly promoting the, you know, the, the antitrust section without also promoting other people as well. Uh, and I understand that when we try to do the promotion and do the connections that we, we want to spread the word as, as widely as we can. Uh, and the right way to do that is to get other people to, to do the spreading. And that means that instead of me, you know, emailing you, Danielle, and saying, hey, can you please, um, you know, check your LinkedIn account, I go ahead and, and tag you uh, and others. And I know that you'll see it and that you'll spread it as well. And it'll get to your, you know, your network as well. That's really helpful. August? I mean, this is all, of course, second nature to the under 30 crowd to, that are really good at this stuff. If any of them are listening to us right now, they're just chuckling. Ah, they've discovered hashtags. I mean, it's really, it's really the most elementary thing you do on Instagram or Twitter, and it's how you get 2,000 views when you only have 800 followers, is people are looking for the subject. They're not looking for you. And you come up, and that's how you get more followers and spread the word. Hashtags are simple enough to understand on Instagram or Twitter. I just want to put in one word about a blog post the equivalent of that in a blog post is all those little ha those little tag fields that are in the bottom of your blog software when you post. Never leave those blank. You always have to do your search engine optimization and your tags and things like that in a blog post so that your post shows up someday on a search engine when people look for your topic. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. I want to thank all of our guests, August Horvath, Alicia Downey, Steve Cernak, for joining us today. If our listeners have any questions or wish to follow up with you, how can they reach you? And uh, y'all, please, I know you did it at the beginning, but share your Twitter handles with us. I am not on Twitter yet, um, but you can find me on LinkedIn. So that's C-E-R-N-A-K. Um, I don't think there are too many with that name. You can, you can track me down. And Alicia. my Twitter handle, you can DM me at, <laughs> at 
Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A, Downey, D-O-W-N-E-Y, with capital A and a capital D. Um, You can also find me on my website, www.downeylawllc.com. August. And my Twitter handle, as I said before, is at August underscore Horvath. The blog I edit is the Advertising and Marketing Law blog. So that's just spelled Advertising and Marketing Law blog, all one word, dot com. And on LinkedIn, you can find me pretty easy. Not too many August Horvaths on there. Great. And I again, I am Danielle Hogland with Integrion. And my Twitter handle is at Danny Hogland, uh, D-A-N-I-H-A-U-G-L-A-N-D. This concludes another podcast with the ABA section of Antitrust. If you like what you heard, please join us in person at some of our upcoming conferences. Details are available at ambar.org slash antitrust. I am Danielle Hogland. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.